So you know what I like to do? Thank you. Yeah. I just needed the what, and then I could keep going. I like to go all in. Now, I'm not talking about poker, though it is enjoyable to push the entire pile of chips forward. When I say all in, there are others who will say obsessed in a healthy way. But here's what I mean about being all in. Marvel? I am all in on Marvel. I don't watch just one movie. I've seen all 23. I've stayed for every single credits. I've gone to at least 14 midnight showings, and I don't stop there. I read the articles about each movie. I analyze them. I dissect them. I come up with theories about where it's going next. I dabble in the comics. I listen to the podcasts. I watch the YouTube videos. I take the BuzzFeed quizzes to find out which superhero I am that day. And I'm looking at your faces right now, and some of you are giving me the polite smile. I know what you're saying, nerd. But you go all in, too. You're out there. Sports fans. You watch the games. Then you watch the highlights. Then you watch SportsCenter, which shows the highlights. Then you watch SportsCenter again, 9 and 10 o'clock, even though it's the same. You listen to the announcers. You read the articles, and then you know more than the announcers, except for Tony Romo. Nobody knows more than Tony Romo. He's the best. But you go all in on your sports teams. You memorize their batting averages. You know you do. Don't look around. Bachelorette, all in. (laughs) Was she going to pick the contractor or the country singer? Why didn't she say yes to Tyler? Who is Jed's real girlfriend? You're all in. You read the articles. You watched Kelly and Ryan. All in. And I know I'm not alone in this, and I also know that it's a problem. It's been a problem for a while. It hit threat level midnight for me uh, with the show 24. You thought I was going to say Game of Thrones, but I liked the ending. I did not sign the petition. Now, do you guys remember 24? I was not into the show, though I watched it every single week. I was not into the characters, though I do see a lot of Jack Bauer in myself. I was obsessed with the clock. The clock. You remember this, right? The episode would go to commercial break. This is like when uh, there wasn't Netflix commercial. You'd watch other advertisements and things like that. The clock would blink, and then the clock would come back, and you would have to guess the time. If you didn't do that, then you're lying to yourself. Now, I put together uh, an entire hypothesis where I took all of the past times where the clock would end and then it would begin because I wanted to win. See, I watched this show with my friends, and it was all about who could get the clock to guess right. Made the right predictions. I got the experience. I wanted the experience of, of the glory of knowing that I could do it better than them. So I put in all the hard work. None of it worked. It was like my Star Wars theories. None of them, it just doesn't happen. They're not the way it is. So I did what you do in that situation. I called my friend who lived in the time zone ahead of me, and he gave me all the times, and suddenly I was the Tony Romo of 24. (laughs) Now, I know it was wrong, and I still feel bad to this day because I went so hard on wanting to know the knowledge, the getting it right, the power of the guess. And what happened was I lost the one thing that I actually cared about because they figured out how I was doing it. And then the people that I loved did not want to watch the show with me. And the Corinthians, they had this problem too. Not with guessing the time with 24 because sundials don't show you the second. But they were getting obsessed. They were going all in on the wrong things. And we've been looking at this text for a while now, this 1 Corinthians 13, which on your study at home, never separate 13 away from 12 and 14. Read them all as one. But here's the focus of our text today, though I will get to Mr. Higgins's John text, hopefully. Now, here it is. Love never ends. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. See, Paul was telling them and us that knowledge and prophecies and speaking in tongues, those things aren't wrong or bad or they're not okay to seek after, nor is it wrong to read articles or to follow your favorite team, but the obsession and the focus on these things misses the point, misses the way. And that's understandable because they and us live in a time where the loudest voices are the ones that get recognized when the ones who are most forceful seem to get their way. We become convinced that power should be used to get our own way, that more is right, and that it's the dream to seek the spotlight. And we miss this whisper of truth, this three little words, love never ends. The apostle calls us to a different way. So let's break this down, this text. Here it is, love never ends. Three words. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Why will prophecies and tongues and knowledge pass away and cease? Because there won't be any need for these things when Jesus returns. These things are important, but they aren't complete. They are not the end all of all things, especially when it is in those things that we start to identify with, that we start to value more than anything else. When we've gone all in on knowing the most, on being the top, on whatever. The Apostle Paul would remind us that some of the things we chase, some of the things we put so much value in and give time to, those things we've gone all in on are fleeting. So sometime this week, take a hard look at what you're all in on. On the junior high retreat that I got to go, that I got to go on, got to go on, yeah, got to go on back in June, we talked a lot about the things we're all in on. And the phone came up, spending a lot of time on the phone. Remember the little thing that you slide to the left and then it tells you how long you've been on your phone? There were many of us who said, well, we just turned that off because it was too disheartening. It's sobering and hard to look at the things that you're all in on, but it is always worth it. And that doesn't mean that we should quit our jobs and just spend time doing the things that we love. I, I don't think that's what the Apostle Paul is driving at. There are things that are worth going all in on. Faith, hope, love, family. But how do we go all in on them? How do we find that way? See, Paul's driving us to something. He knows that there is something, a way that should be, a great way, a way that is known, but is forgotten all too often. A way that no amount of prophecy and knowledge is going to take you to it. No amount of reading articles or pictures and pinning them or telling, having other people's theories are going to get you there. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. 
When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. In Roman and Greek practice, when a boy grew to manhood, he exchanged the toga protexa for the toga virilis. I don't know how to say those words, but you saw it in the commentary too. It meant he was no longer under the control of his chaperone. When he put on the new toga, he was considered old enough now to act responsibly and look after himself. He stood Peterus Parcarus and realized that with great power comes great responsibility. This was a big deal, big ceremony. His name was then added to the list of citizens. No more chaperone, no more three times recess. Sorry, sixth graders, it's over. You get one recess immediately following lunch or before, depending on the grade. The apostle reminds us the childish ways need to be left behind and we need to mature in the spirit. We need to take up the new way. We need to put on the new toga. What we were clothed with in our baptism by the Holy Spirit. He says, what would it look like in this new way if we focus not on the praise or recognition or what's in it for me, but instead we focused on the way of love? Knowing what you believe is never wrong. Seeking out the word of God and growing in it is not wrong. But the attitude behind why you're doing it, sometimes we have to examine that self. When I got to go to seminary, I was so stoked. I was like, I'm going to know so much about the Bible. People are going to think I'm the smartest guy in the world despite my face. The first class I get to, the pastor says, nobody cares how much you know about the Bible. You're in this position to walk with people and be in relationship with them, to love them. We have the responsibility of knowing the faith. Like Paul says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of that eternal faith to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. But we fight the faith. We express the faith in love. What good is it to know all there is to know about the word of God, to know the entire faith and then not to share it? That's our responsibility. The responsibility of sharing our faith, sharing our hope always ready and eager to give a reason for why we believe, for why we are who we are, why we live how we live. All of us live and work. That's the curse that was given to Adam. But the way we work, the way we live, is to be done responsibly and by the power of the Holy Spirit, doing the good works, the works of love that he prepared in advance for us to do called to leave the childish ways of selfishness and put on the mature ways of responsibility and power. It's great power. I found that the most powerful people are the ones who choose to be gentle. The most knowledgeable are the ones who are patient and kind when they're explaining things to people, not lording it over them. The ones who, when their lives are falling apart, still pray and still patiently wait and endure. Paul points us to that way of love, reminding us that love is patient, kind, 
does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres, never ends. Paul says, go all in on love. What matters is faith expressing itself in love. What matters is hope expressing itself in love. So how do we find that balance? How do we live a life that works and is in relationship with others? Something that is known but all too often forgotten, love. Being motivated by love. Being driven by love. That way, whether you're at work or around the dinner table, whether you're in the classroom or sitting with someone in the hospital, whether you are online or outside, the way is marked by love. This is what we see with our Jesus. This is what we see in his teachings, in his healings, in his conversations. This is what we see in his sacrifice. Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Do not skimp on the phrase face to face. A face to face relationship with our God. In the Old Testament, the prophets, most of them only just got visions, but a handful of people actually saw God face to face. Jacob, when he wrestled, Moses in number 10, 12, but then Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, comes. He tells Philip in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, you know me, you know the Father. He says, we do not have a God who hides himself. We do not have a God who is out of reach, but is face to face with us, who invites us to take his name in the water, to eat at his table, who promises us to never leave us nor forsake us, but makes his home in us. FaceTiming is great, but the powerful videos aren't when the soldier is FaceTiming with his family. It's when that soldier comes home and embraces his or her family. And they see each other face to face, really see each other face to face. It is a gift to be in the presence of God, to worship him, to have his promise, not only that he will return, but that wherever two or three gather, there he is. And it's a gift to be in the presence of each other. And that gift is made holy in love. Him in us so we are holy. Him on a cross so we are forgiven. Him resurrected and so us too. We know this and we know him. And he fully knows us. Nothing hidden all our mistakes, all our excuses, all our wandering. He knows it, and he still is all in on us. That's what I love about a face-to-face -face God. 
We never have to doubt his love, never have to doubt how far he's willing to go. So I want to invite the band back up to lead us in this song, How He Loves. I don't think we're singing Sloppy Wet Kiss, though. Maybe we could. Probably not. But look at this verse as we close. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. He is faithful to us. He encourages us. His love for us will never end. And us, how do we respond? Like Chris said in John 15, we abide in that love. Jesus goes on to say, that's how they will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. The faith we have in the gospel of our Lord, it'll be confirmed. The hope we have in our God will be fulfilled. But the love, the love we share with one another, that never ends. That is eternal. So I say go all in on love. And I promise you, you won't forget it.